The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value, and so can you. Welcome to the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper and welcome to the Business Elevation Show today. And I'm really excited about today's show. We're going to be talking about business and leadership. We're going to be talking about lessons from running uh, some of the world's most exclusive yachts and mixing with some of the world's leading business tycoons and uh, some of the insights and wisdoms that my guest Paul Adamson has acquired from a very exciting uh, life. Um, but firstly, I'd like to say a big thank you to uh, last week, uh, Paul Peter Brandle. Uh, he was talking with me about crash communication. And I really loved the conversation. Really, he brought home the parallels between commercial flying and the lessons and business. And I'm also was delighted to hear now that their checks to enable ensure that more junior people uh, give their opinions when uh, flying um, in airlines and are not scared to air their thoughts and feelings uh, when more senior uh, pilots uh, have theirs. I think the views of senior people, uh, not, they're not always right and it can be extremely damaging when egos get in the way and uh, people who may be less experienced but maybe see something different can't get their point of view across. I think that really translates into organizations as well. But I'd also like today to uh, say a huge, huge congratulations to uh, Leicester City, my team, on winning the Premier League. I cannot believe it. I have two little boys um, and their dad, admittedly, who are extremely excited this week. And an incredible example of business elevation. And it demonstrates that a, a great vision, a team with, uh, with passion and skills, caring owners, inspirational leadership can can overturn 5,000 to 1 odds of winning the Premier League and, and actually uh, go on to absolutely uh, transform it and incredible success and win the thing. Um, so it just demonstrates to me that the things that we talk about on this show can have enormous rewards and benefits. Um, also, I want to say thank you to Leeds Beckett University's Carnegie Great Out Outdoors, who had me abseiling down a cliff in beautiful Malham in North Yorkshire yesterday. Uh, the elevated view I got from the top and the feeling of stepping off the edge was just exhilarating. There's nothing like having that big picture vision and, uh, and then taking those first tentative steps in whatever you're doing. So a great big thank you to them. So... What would you learn, do you think, if you worked with the best of the best? Now, can you imagine the wisdom that you'd acquire, not only managing and sailing some of the world's most exclusive yachts, but learning from some of the most elite businessmen in the world? Paul Adamson has done just this. He became a qualified professional yacht skipper at the age of 18. He completed a degree in merchant shipping before working for many of the UK's most prestigious yachting establishments. Such was the demand for his services that Formula One team boss, BBC Formula One analyst and business tycoon Eddie Jordan headhunted Paul and asked him to manage the build of his new £6 million super yacht and captain the yacht around the world. 
Uh, they sailed 38,000 miles through five oceans. Now, today, Paul's concepts in leadership, self-development, and success have been developed from skippering yachts and working with business tycoons around the world. He has enrolled in uh, business and leadership training programs from the UK, US, and Fiji, learning from amazing speakers around the world. And his corporate training program, the ultimate sales and influence system, has been delivered to large blue chips all over U- Europe. So a huge, huge welcome to Paul Adamson. Hi, Chris. Wow. Now, that's some introduction. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Uh, pleasure to talk to you. I should ask you, wh- where are you um, talking to us from? So I'm talking to you from the south south coast of the UK, a little uh, sailing village called Hamble, which is a cutie pie little village on a, on a river that's about five five miles long. And on that river, there's over 4,000 yachts there. So it really is the centre of sailing in the UK. Well, you were, t- you were telling me that you're about to head out on your on your own boat uh, for this weekend. Um, well, I thought it was quite fascinating when you told me what uh, boat stands for. Yeah, absolutely, because, of course, one of the cons- concepts of the sport is it's quite an expensive sport. And um, somebody once said to me, well, you know what boat stands for, Paul? And I said, what? And he goes, break out another thousand. It's going to cost you a fair bit of cash. And you know what? It's absolutely right. But I tell you what, the feeling of complete and utter freedom when you put that yacht to sea and you just sail into that horizon is just incredible. Excellent. You're a lucky man. Where did that uh, interest for yachting come from? It really came from um, when I was a young boy. I was really fortunate in the fact that my family had sailed and both of my sisters, they had horses and my choice was not a horse but but to have a boat. I kind of figured that a boat you didn't need to muck out and feed. So, um, Mm -hmm. and uh, I literally learned to sail on the River Dee in Chester and I just fell in love with the sport and uh, all I wanted to do when I wasn't at school was just go out and sail and sail and sail and like I was saying before the feeling of freedom is incredible and the fact that you can choose your own course and literally it's a sport that if you have the right boat you can set off from anywhere any shore in the world and sail to wherever it is you want to go so uh, that's my love of the sport and are you most sort of interested in the kind of adventure of having a boat or or is it you know is it for you com- you know competitive um a combination of all of them actually i i've done a lot of sailboat racing in my time um but for me now it's really about the adventure it's about just getting out there and experiencing life and 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 just being at one with the elements you know you your your god becomes the weather you have to take into account the tide the ocean currents all of those things and also you have to run your team on the boat and look after your boat so you know it, it, there's so much to to the sport that, for me, I just love it when we're out there and sailing at sea. It's fantastic. Fantastic. So it it really is a, a metaphor, you know, a good metaphor for business. A little bit like the, the you know the pilots. I mean, talking to Peter Brandle last week, you know, you have uh, you have teams of people that you have to lead, and you have tasks to do, and a, a vision, and a goal, and a target, and uh, you have to manage all of those things. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, that's the kind of role um, uh, when I've been working and running uh, some of these very large private yachts is that really when when you're running a super yacht, it is literally like like running a six million pound 
business in the fact that that's that's the value of the yacht but you know you are entrusted to look after the owner who who are your shareholders and they're your board uh, you've got to look after the team on board you've got to look after the asset itself which, which of course is the yacht and there's all the preparation and planning that's uh, involved in the strategy and the maintenance and accounts so it's very much um being the captain of a super yacht is very much being like the ceo of a business and of course that's the transition that i made a few years back in the fact that taking sailing as a metaphor and then going into businesses and actually helping them with their team development and leaderships and sales and influence such all those sorts of things um so it it's a great sport for that, you know. It is, it, it is fantastic. And how would you, how would you define a super yacht versus? An, you said six million pounds. There is uh... sure. Yeah, super yacht is defined once uh, a yacht is over twenty-four meters, which is about eighty feet. Ah. Um, they're then classed as a super yacht, and they go, you know, from nowadays. I mean, boats are getting bigger and bigger and bigger all the time. Um, I actually don't even, well, one of the largest yachts in the world is a yacht called Eclipse, which is owned by Roman Abramovich, and uh, that's uh, huge. That's just short of 500 foot, and she's got 120 staff on her, I think, and there's all things that go with her. The, the um, yacht that I ran for Eddie Jordan that was just an incredible experience, and uh, we sailed around the world, uh, she was um, a yacht called Lush, which is an Oyster 885, Oyster being a British boat. Um, she's a custom yacht, um, and she um, is basically she was uh, ninety feet, eight oh five, uh, effectively. That's still a, a big responsibility, isn't it? Because I imagine it's not, not like well, looking at a, looking after a building, which you know potentially could have problems, could have a fire, that sort of thing, but probably fairly unlikely. Looking at after something that is you know floating in the sea or moored on the sea, uh, there's high risks with it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just a case of like anything in life, just providing you anticipate what sort of problems that you may encounter, then um, you can minimize the, the risk of kind of any adversity. Now, that said, of course, things do happen at sea. Large, large storms do do appear. Um, what's great now is our weather forecasting services are so good that they that they can predict them, but they quite often get the timings wrong. Sometimes things do just arrive that aren't forecast as well. Um, but yeah, it is a big responsibility. But it's an amazing it's an amazing career, and it's an amazing thing to do. And in terms of the people that you work with, like the guys who obviously can afford um, a yacht like, like, like this are very successful elsewhere in their life and in their businesses. And you learn so much from them because, because you kind of just meet them on a different level. Mm. And, you know, and the parallels between the two is just incredible. And I guess quite a, it's a business level, but it's also, you know, they're, they're presumably some of the time they're on that boat, it's, they're there for leisure. So... Um, it must be quite must have some quite good sociable times with them. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Relaxed. And you know that's what it's all about. We go sailing to have a great time on the water, and that is one of the biggest roles of a super yacht captain is making sure that everybody is smiling. And in fact, that can be the biggest challenge at times um, because you know if we parallel it back to CEO of a business, leadership at times can be quite lonely. Meaning. 
when you're the captain of one of these yachts, you're obviously running the team on board the yacht, but you're also looking after the owner and his guests, etc. And the challenge at times can be keeping both parties smiling. And uh, it's quite good fun to do it. Um, but it's just a case of making sure you understand what their visions are, etc., and things like that. But it, it is incredible in the fact that making sure that everybody smiles on board. And what's amazing is, is that some of these guys are so busy with their businesses and kind of so successful at what they do is that what they'll tell you is just when they take the wheel of that yacht is really the only time that they fully switch off. And it also gives them time to really think, you know, um, and there's no outside distraction. It's literally just what's going on on board the yacht at sea. So uh, they love it. Incredible. Now, you told me that you experienced a really massive storm. Um, what was that like and what did you learn from it? It was like it was just incredible. I mean, we, we kind of saw Mother Nature at its worst. Um, now, this storm was predicted and we knew it was there. It was when we were crossing the Indian Ocean on Lush from the Cocos Keeling Islands in the Indian Ocean, sailing across to uh mauritius so that was about four thousand mile trip across the indian ocean and the tropical storm uh developed in front of us and started to chase us around the ocean effectively now you know to kind of get through the storm we were all prepared and uh, we made sure with the right amount of sail up and all of these things and uh, fully briefed the crew and actually going through the storm itself um although was a big challenge the biggest thing I learned from it is that everybody can sail through a storm, meaning this. Um, the storm really is just a metaphor. And I realized that actually the word sail stands for four particular areas, if, if you focus on them. The first S being state, meaning your emotional state, meaning that when you're in those conditions, it was really important for, for me to manage my emotional state. So if I showed any fear, then that would just spread through, through, through the crew. It was really about, you know, realizing, you know, that the only thing that I could control is my attitude. Because, of course, I couldn't control the weather, I couldn't control the wind, the waves, any of that. The only thing I could control is my attitude. And, of course, it's so easy for us all to kind of focus on what we can't control. And then, and then we kind of get locked up in it, and that's never going to serve us. It's never going to allow us to make the correct decisions when we're sailing through that storm. Um, and also, it won't allow us to really communicate with clarity to our crew. And parallel that back to, if you're listening to this and you're a business owner, and, you know, this storm could be a financial storm, it could be an employee, so it could be many different things. But the point is, you've got to learn to manage your state. The second thing I learned was uh, uh, A stands for action. When you take action, take effective action, uh, meaning not just acting on impulse. So many of us, we kind of get into that challenging situation and we just act on impulse. And if we do that, we're really unlikely to take the correct action. So I learned that taking the time to really evaluate the situation first, and that can be just a split second, or it could be half an hour, it could be two days, whatever it is, but take that time uh, so you can really consider and kind of weigh up all the options you have before you take action. The third thing I learned was, was you've got to ignite, meaning you've got to ignite your passion. That is ignite that burning desire inside yourself to get the job done. 
no matter what it is. And, and your passion is like a fire. It needs to be fueled. Um, and so once you manage your state, take effective action, you'll actually fuel that passion. And that's what will give, that's what will give you uh, the inner drive to really push yourself through when time gets t- when times get tough. The fourth thing I learned was L for sale, lead. Meaning you've got to be able to lead. Now, leading is such a common word these days, right? But is it really that easy? Think about it. Um, when the pressure is on, what I learned is you've got to really lead from the front. Meaning you've got to take yourself there first and then hold the hand of your team, your family, whoever it is you're leading, um, and guide them through all that uncertainty, the anxiousness, and the fear. So, so what that storm taught me was an incredible lesson that I teach in life, in business, which is all of us can sail through a storm. Does all that make sense? Makes, I went off on a bit of a rant there, sorry. No, that's okay. No, it makes, makes, makes a lot of sense. I think there's, as you know, that, we're using there those sort of first three, four elements of uh, a sail I think are very, very important ones. And you're absolutely right. I think you know, leaders do have to really manage their emotional state. And and when they take action, you're absolutely right that they should not do it on impulse. Uh, they've got to you know, consider it, providing they've got the time to do it. And then I think you've got to reach inside yourself, haven't you, to find that uh, special wisdom that we all have, um, which you talked about igniting your passion. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of reaching inside and just awakening that inner leader that's always been there, will always be there. It's just a case of you've got to learn to unlock it because because once you do that, anything is possible. Um, and sometimes it takes a big storm in our lives, in our business, to kind of make ourselves wake up. But uh, but uh, when we do, woe betide, nothing's going to stand in your way. So you need a steady hand on the tiller. That's it. You need a steady hand on the tiller, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, it's a good moment to go into commercial break. After the commercial break, we're going to start to uh, talk with Paul about some of the lessons that he learned rubbing shoulders with uh, really wealthy business tycoons. And uh, believe me, there are some fantastic stories and insights. So you do want to come back. So do join us again in just a couple of minutes. business you'll find the experts here voice america business network would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential chris cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the achiever program one-to-one mentoring and coaching facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. 
Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with uh, Paul Adamson. We're talking about... uh, about lessons from running some of the world's most exclusive yachts. And, and what I really want to talk about now, Paul, is you know, you've met some really inspirational business tycoons, shall we call them. And um, you know, who, who have you worked with? So, uh, well, lots of different people. But I suppose the main guy that I've spent the majority of my time with is Eddie Jordan, who, of course, uh, is a Formula One guy. Uh, he had Jordan Grand Prix back in the 90s. And he, he's a really uh, inspirational incredible uh, businessman with so much to give and just and he's just an incredible incredible guy and you know I've been very fortunate enough to spend lots of time with him um, and get his uh, take on different things he always seems a very very fascinating guy and even his shirts are inspirational I seem to yeah, absolutely. And even at sea, I promise you, he wears those shirts. He always looks great. He does, absolutely. Absolutely. He always looks great, you know, in fairness to EJ. Yeah, he's brilliant. So, you know, often, and I'm sure that this doesn't apply to Eddie, but people do have, um, you know, people who don't mix with that echelon of, of individual in terms of wealth, you know, they often do have a stereotype that some people – uh, with um, lots of wealth, a really high in ego and selfish. Um, I wonder what your opinion is of that. I think that's a complete urban myth. And, not, and you know, like, they are not like this at all. In fact, it's quite the opposite. You know, one thing I learned from these guys is that to be massively successful uh, in life, in business, whatever, you must learn to add more value than anybody else in the marketplace. Um, and you can do that without a massive ego, without being selfish. Um, the difference is, I think, maybe where that comes from is these guys, they don't suffer fools. They're, they're very quick to work out uh, if somebody is in the right team fit, uh, whether somebody is for them or against them. And, and what they'll do is, is they'll make decisions quickly. They won't kind of hang around um, and kind of suffer fools. And I think maybe that's where that comes from. And that's certainly, I don't think I've met anybody who's really, and I've met some pretty impressive guys. They've all been just the most lovely, generous, genuine, incredible people who actually just want to give. So hopefully we'll dispel that myth on this show. Well, absolutely. And I think uh, I, I, would, I would agree with that as well. That's what I found too. And uh, I think I also agree with them. They don't tend to suffer fools lightly, um, but they will uh, go out and help 
people that they uh, that they have some respect for, really. Um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you know, I mean, one thing that they've learned is uh, is that uh, teamwork really makes the dream work. I know that's a pretty corny line, but it's so true. And at some point in their career, somebody has given them a leg up. Somebody has seen the opportunity in them. They've seen the hunger in them and they've helped them, whether it be that they've backed them, they've invested in them, just or even opened a door for them. And they never forget that. They never forget that. And, you know, what happens is, um, in my opinion, is is that when they see that hunger and that fire in someone else, then, then really they just want to support them and give them the leg up as well so um you know that's why i say you know that it's like they never forget that so be really open-minded about that and never forget about helping somebody as well that's kind of um on your team or helping them to grow or someone in your life that just needs that leg up because it comes back to you tenfold that's for sure you know and, and you know you don't need to be wealthy to do that, do you? No, absolutely not. And I believe true wealth is not just what you have in the bank as well. You know, I mean that's part of it, of course. You know, that's all a resource. Um, but true wealth, I think, is really appreciating your life. And there's a mantra that I live live by every day, which is one life, live it every day. I live by that, and a lot of people know me for that mantra. But it's so true. So if you're listening to this show and you're thinking. Well what, well, what does Paul mean by that? I mean, you know, you're in business, right? You know, are you doing it because you're there to add value? You're, you're there to make a difference in the world or are you just going through the motions? And, you know, if you're just going through the motions, can you find a way to either reignite that passion or, you know, get yourself up or where can you add more value and where can you support your team more? And really be the teacher because a leader of the business is not just a leader. They're also a teacher, you know, and... I really believe that the best way to honor a teacher is to outgrow them. Meaning, wouldn't it be amazing is if you could take your your team of people and just and just empower them and let them grow around you and outgrow you and go off and do more good in the world and add more value and do all of this because of course what does that mean? It means we're invoking something called the ripple effect, which is where you throw a stone into a pond of water and although the stone sinks, you get that ripple that goes right out to the outside of a pond and I really believe that in business that you can have the same effect all over our planet. Well those people excuse me, then go out and uh, as you say add, add, add further value and it becomes all part of you know, your legacy. It's, it's, it will be, there'll be people who remember you for what you've contributed, what they've learned from you um, and, uh, and I suppose also through that you know, I've been in a lovely situation last, last day when I found two or three people who were actually sort of recommending me to people uh, and I didn't need to do anything. I didn't need to say anything. Um, they were sort of speaking highly of me. And th- that was, uh, I, I guess, because of what I've given to them over the, the years. That's right. You know, the relationship absolutely. I've established with them and, you know, the respect we have for each other. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And, you know, if you put good out into the world, I really believe that you'll get good good back too. Now, now what I'm not saying here is don't be competitive. Of course be competitive. Because actually... Being competitive is a great thing. If if we didn't have that competitiveness between uh, the states and Russia back in the sixties, maybe we we never would have put a man on the moon. But we did that, and you know it's good to push ourselves. It's good to uh, that's where sport is great. You know, just having the competitiveness of sport. But you can be a great sportsman 
without having a huge ego and being selfish and all of those things. Mm, absolutely. And I think uh, one of the things, I don't know what your thoughts are with this, but I see it's a lot of people who set up, set up businesses and they're following a passion. Um, but I think when I, when I observe people who are truly successful, they're also, uh, they have a passion, but they're not just on a mission. They also have a business and they're, they're really good, sound business people as well. And they combine the two. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Of course they do, because, you know, they understand that there's no point in killing the golden goose. You know, they understand that to be in business, they have to make a profit. They have to do well. And, you know, they understand that uh, if they can grow that business, make it profitable, do all of those things, then ultimately they're going to add more value in the world, whatever product service they are that they're offering. And I think when you kind of get your mindset into that, it's a complete shift. It changes from, okay, uh, I need to make a profit because I want to go and buy this. It totally changes to, actually, what I'm doing here is, is I'm actually going to add more value across the globe just by giving better product, better service, adding more value. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Now, do you, you, know? what, what have you now, what have you learned you know, from your experiences and, and, and speaking with people like Eddie Jordan about failure? Failure is part of success. And I think failure can totally be uh, your friend. At the end of the day, every one of us failed at some point in our life. Hands up if you failed. I know both of my hands up right now, okay? Because we all failed, think about it, when, when we got up as a baby and tried to walk. And thank God our parents said, right, that's it. You fell down once, you stay down, you can't get back up, don't ever try and walk. No, what did they do? They said it. That's great, Charlie. Come on, one more step. Get back up. Get back up. Failure is part of success. And, you know, one thing that's really interesting is that anybody that's kind of gone through the motions, that they've built a huge global business, we see them for what they've built. But what we haven't seen is all the late nights. It's all the early mornings. It's all the worrying to try and raise finance and keep the company going in the early days. It's all the hiring. It's, all the, it's everything else that goes with it. And I believe that, look, we're all human beings and we'll all get it wrong um, at some point. The key here, though, is never let it stop you. Once you've got that passion, once you've ignited that passion inside of you, which means you've stacked up all the reasons why you want to get something done, you get that drive, you take it on the chin. There's a great um, quote from the Rocky film, actually, which is, um, so, I think it goes something like, um, it ain't how hard you hit, it's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward, how much you yeah. can take and keep moving forward. That ha that's how winning is done. And that's true in sport, but it's also really true in our businesses as well. And I think that failure, you know, is part of life. And what happens is, of course, we kind of learn as a kid, like kids don't worry about when they get something wrong. They, they just try something new and they keep trying something new until they get it right. But something happens, I guess, with our social conditioning or our cultural conditioning that suddenly, you know, when we grow up, it becomes not OK to fail. And as soon as that happens, I believe that we just kill our creativity, you know, and we stop ourselves from moving forward. Listen, I've failed many times. The key is I'm comfortable with it because I go, okay, great. That's no problem. Now I know how, uh, how not to do it. And you can fail spectacularly as well. And there's a great thing about, you know, that 
if you fail spectacularly, well, well, at least you failed well, man. Brilliant. You know, yeah. move on now. At least you did a great. You're like you fully failed. You did a great job of that. Well done. You know, and move on. So uh, that's what I'd say to you about that. Is failure is part of your success, and you know, if you want to be successful, you've got to be willing to take the hits. You've got to be willing to take the hits and get back up again and move forward. Absolutely, and and it's uh, maybe it comes back to that point I made earlier about you know adjusting the tilly. You kind of learn, don't you, from your from your failures, and if you take the wisdom from them, then and you adjust the tiller and, you, and then keep on you know moving appropriately towards your your vision or your goal. That's absolutely right, and I guess it's also understanding as well, that success is not a straight line. No. Many of us think, uh, wouldn't it be great if we could take the red pill and get ultimate success? It just doesn't work like that. You know, it's like um, when an aeroplane, uh, this will tie in with your guests last week, actually, Chris, is when an aeroplane, let's say, takes off from Heathrow and then lands in JFK, the only time it's absolutely pointing at JFK. It's the final approach down to that runway. The rest of the time on its journey across the Atlantic Ocean, it's constantly adjusting its course. It might not even be aiming at JFK, but it's constantly adjusting its course. But the main thing is it's moving forward and it's moving closer to its goal. And somebody once said to me, actually, I can't remember who it is, but I, but I love this, which was enjoy the journey. You know, because so many of us get get to the goal that we want and we achieve it and we go, huh, is this it? Oh, is this it? It doesn't feel as good as what I thought it was going to do. But the truth is, it's never the goal anyway. The truth is, it's who we become. It's how we grow and enjoying the journey along the way. And I love that. I love the fact that the journey is going to, you know, take you to alter course, to reset your sails, to, to rethink and to do all of those things. And if you, you can do that, if you, if you can play that sport, ultimately, whatever you do in life, you will totally be successful, whether that being a business owner, a parent, great in a relationship, great at sport. No matter what it is, it's all the same thing. You're a human being. And just be get that drive and push through. Sometimes I think the you, you, you may see analogy here with your yachting, but the, uh, the short way round is actually the long way round. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Because, you know, you, you never learn anything. I mean, think about this. If somebody gave you, I don't know, let's say uh, the perfect body, whatever the body is, whatever image you have in your mind, somebody gave you that right now, how long would you keep it? Well, the answer is probably not very long because you've not become the person to keep that type, you know, to, to keep that body type. You know, it, you know, it takes discipline. It takes working out. It, ta- it takes correct nutrition it takes all of those things which is you know one of the great things about being on planet earth it's the fact that we can have whatever we want the question is will we do what it takes to get what we want and most people will say yeah i want that but they but they just don't they don't have that drive and also understanding that there's a period of time between you setting a goal and you realizing a goal and that's known as lag time and that lag time can be half an hour it can be three years it can be 30 years if you look at the people who are massively successful they all understand that lag time it's like climbing a mountain you kind of you just keep pushing you keep pushing and when you get to the top and you go down the other side you know that's it you've you've gone over the tipping point 
And you know what's amazing is you can stand on the top of a mountain and you get this beautiful view of all the other mountains, but then you look down, but you can't see the mountain that you've climbed. And so many people that, uh, that I've worked with and I've seen have never really seen the value in themselves or the journey and the value of the journey that they can then bring um, in to lead their team better, um, be more successful in their business, do whatever it may be. So what I'm saying to you is, is look at your journey, appreciate it and enjoy it. We've got about three minutes now to commercial break and you talked there about people. Yes. I wonder what you've learned about hiring and motivating employees. Sure. Great question. Well, hiring is critical. 80% of your success will be who you hire. Now, most people will hire uh, off uh, these three things. They'll hire off proximity, who they like, and convenience. Now, whilst that strategy can work, you're much more likely to have issues. Um, And something that I learned from Eddie is hire who you need and not who you like. Um, And I thought that that was a brilliant line. And the other thing is, Uh, create a Mary Poppins list, meaning this. We all know the story of Mary Poppins. And if you don't know it, look it up. So so what did the kids do? They had to choose all the qualities that they wanted in their nanny. So they wrote them all down, all the qualities. She must be this, she must be this, all of these things. And lo and behold, in flies Mary Poppins. And that's what I'll do now. When I'm looking to increase the size of my team or any of that, the first thing that I do is I write my Mary Poppins list. And I sit down and write all the qualities of uh, what I'm looking for in a person. And then when I'm going through that interviewing process and that hiring process, I'm much, you know, I'm going to recognize it instantly. It wants the right person sits in front of me. The other thing is then, once you've got them on board, you've got to keep them on board, meaning this. Find out what their vision is. What are their goals? What are their aspirations? What are their needs and their wants? Because if you as a leader can can deliver those to that person, then they will become raving fans of yours. Remember I was talking about outgrowing your teacher? This is what this is all about. Get the right person on board and then really deliver everything that they want from life, what they need, all of those things. If you can do that, they, they will fall in love with you, your company, your products, your service. And when they're in that kind of state, imagine what it is like when they communicate with your clients, your customers, and all of those things. They have an enthusiasm and a burning desire themselves to see it through and to make it ultimately successful. Excellent. We're going to go to commercial break again now. And after, no the, problem. Break, after the break, we're going to uh, chat about uh, as well as one or two great stories that uh, I know – Paul's going to share, and we'll have a chat about sort of tenacity and and self talk and and uh, use of language, and some really interesting and valuable uh, points to come. So do join us again just after the break. We'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. tuned into the business elevation show with your host chris cooper if you have a question or comment about our show please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk that's chris at chriscooper.co.uk now back to chris cooper hi it's chris cooper with paul adamson uh, we're talking about uh, Lessons from running some of the world's most exclusive yachts and uh, some of the perceptions and, and views that, uh, that have really permeated and percolated through uh, Paul uh, during his time uh, talking and leading boats and with uh, many business tycoons. Now, Paul, I just wonder how, from your experience, the, these people view the use of language and positive self-talk. Great question. Um... And that really reminds me of um, a story that I've got of uh, two of my very close friends, actually. One is big venture capitalist in London, and the other one is Eddie. And um, I would always be, you know, in the nature of the business that I do now, obviously, you know, I'm in businesses, I'm coaching, I'm leading, I do all training and things. So I'm always on the lookout for, uh, for new lessons and things that I can take, and also things that I can use myself. But really simple concepts as well, nothing too complicated, which means we can put it into action straight away. So there would be one common question that I would always ask these guys. Um, and the question was, you know, what piece of advice you, could you give me? You know, the nugget of information, the golden nugget that you could give a young, hungry guy who really wants to succeed, what is the best piece of advice that you could give, give me? And I remember asking that question to Eddie, and we were anchored in Tahiti, believe it or not. Tahiti, the sun was going down with a glass of red wine in our hands. Sounds terrible. And uh, he leant forward across the table, and he goes, Paul, it's easy. When it gets tough, keep attacking. I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, when it was really tough, whenever it was really tough for me, I would just run this mantra over and over, just say, keep attacking, keep attacking. doesn't matter, keep attacking, keep moving forward. And in that mind, I linked up a conversation that I'd actually had about a year earlier with my friend in London. And I said to him, and I I said, and he's another Chris, actually. And I said, Chris, I said, "Um, you know, what what, what is the 
golden nugget that you could give me um, for a young, hungry guy who really wants to succeed? And he goes, Paul, it's really easy. If you want to succeed, you just need one thing. So, of course, my ears now were pricked up. Yeah? And I was like, well, what's that? And he goes, you just need a PhD. And I like, looked at him. And I double took him and goes, yeah, yeah, PhD, that's all you need. I'm thinking, what? I've got to go back to university. He goes, no, pig-headed determination. Mm. And I loved it because then fast forward back to sitting with Eddie and he goes, keep attacking. I realized that those, those are two different bits of language, as in one is pig-headed determination, pig-headed determination, keep going. The other one is keep attacking. So, you know, the, the language is different, but the meaning is the same, which is keep pushing. No matter how tough it gets, you keep going, you keep moving forward. Now, what I'm not saying here is kind of um, go running east looking for a sunset. No matter how much you run east, no matter how hard you push, you're never going to find a sunset running east. You'll only see the sunrise, right? Sometimes Mm -hmm. you have to turn around and look to the west. But my point is this is that once you get that passion inside of yourself, once you get that goal set, and you really know what your purpose and, and your mission is, not just for yourself, but also for your business as well, keep moving forward. Get that PhD, that pig-headed determination that no matter how tough it gets, you'll keep moving forward. Because many people along the way are going to tell you it can't be done. Many, many people. And in fact, Nelson Mandela said, it seems impossible until it's done. Oh, I love that quote. It's brilliant. And it's so, 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 so true. So I think getting a mantra in uh, your head is a good thing. And it can be whatever turns you on, whatever's going to, you know, make you get up in the morning, get up early and go to bed late. You know, that's going to keep you moving no matter how tough it gets. Because with all of us in life and in business, it's going to get tough. Because the reality is of playing the, the game of, business is you've really got to be a gladiator meaning the more you play it the more likely you're going to die because after 10 years i can't remember the stats but after 10 years i think 97 percent of all businesses have failed there's only three percent left and that left and that doesn't necessarily mean that they're in profit which means that you know the longer you play the game the more likely you're going to die which means you've got to have that gladiator kind of mentality that you'll just keep moving forward that makes sense it is i asked a similar question to a very very successful person that i know out of my network and somebody i, I admire and he said it's uh it's simply it's three p's and i said what do you mean by the three p's and he said well if to be really successful you've got to have absolute presence of mind you also need to um, have presence of mind and keep moving forward you need presence of body you've got to keep yourself fit and healthy and then I said, what's the third P? And he said, it's, uh, it's lots of presents for me and the family for all of the inconvenience and hard work. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> brilliant. I love it. <laughs> so how, how tenacious uh, really do people need to be? I mean, that, that is pretty tenacious, being a gladiator. Sure. I mean, I think, I think the thing is, is that, you know, if you're going to go for something, go for it. You know, not... not don't enter into it half-heartedly because you'll never give the last 1% that makes all the difference. Think about this. When you see a 100-meter race run at the Olympics, the gold medal race, what is the time period between first and tenth? It's milliseconds, right? It's tiny. It's probably less than 1%, but it's that 1% that makes the difference. Um, 
And something that uh, Eddie would always say to me, and I love that, and again, I use it all the time, is he would look at me and go, Paul, sharpen your teeth. Sharpen your teeth. Meaning, get your teeth into something, sharpen them up, and stay with it, and keep moving forward, no, no matter what it takes. And give that last 1%, because so many of us talk of change, but leaders act. Leaders make it happen. And they, and they go there first and they create that vision. But when they, when they go for it, they put two feet in and they jump full on into the pool. And I think that is something you have to do. Because if, you're, if you put one foot on the island and one foot left on the boat, you'll never take the island, right? There's an old think, war proverb that says, if you want to take the island, you've got to burn the boats, right? So, you know, it, it's the same here as well. I think it makes a lot of sense. If you're going to move forward, then absolutely do it, and you know, with energy, with passion. Um, That's right. And make kind it of, yeah, absolutely. And kind of accept that sometimes, you know, what it's not going to go your way. That's life. That's how it works. That's part of the journey. But it, but if you can find the empowering meaning, if you can go, okay, it didn't work out that time. What went wrong? How can we sort this out? How can we do it better next time? You've learned, and as long as you're learning, you're growing. And that's really, really important. You know, constant growth, constant learning, and that's ultimately will get you to where you want to go. Yeah, yeah, couldn't, couldn't, couldn't agree more. So I loved, uh, I loved your stories when we were chatting and planning this interview, and you, sure. you, you told me a story which I think demonstrates, you know, the the sort of fleet of foot and tenacity of. Uh, some of the people that you've met and you told me a story about uh, DHL and I wonder if you'd be able to share that with us yeah of course and I love this story it's brilliant and Kodak and Fujifilm as well but... yeah sure so we'll start with the DHL one and we'll see what what we're like for time so um effectively uh let's rewind ourselves back to I think it was 2002 now I might be slightly wrong on the date so uh you can check me google it wikipedia whatever it doesn't matter but anyway, rewind back to 2002, uh, Jordan Grand Prix was in its heyday on the Formula One circuit. And at that time, uh, uh, the team was sponsored by British American tobacco. Now, part of the deal was, is that the cars must be yellow, completely yellow. Um, and Eddie got wind uh, that DHL would be interested in coming on board as a sponsor. So, um, obviously, you know, that would prick his ears up and goes, well, great, if we can get DHL in and they're going to match what, uh, what the tobacco guys are putting into the team, then that's ultimately going to make us more competitive, blah, blah, blah. So, anyway, what happens was, um, at that time, um, uh, the DHL logo was maroon on a white background. And so what Eddie did was he phoned up uh, B&H and he said, hey, look, you know, DHL, uh, they want to come on, on a board and you know how it is with motor racing. You know, the more funds we have in the park, the more resources we have, the more successful we're going to be, which ultimately is going to push out your, your brand more as well. He said, there's only one slight thing is that I just need a white square on the car. And they said, is that OK? And they said, absolutely not. If you do that, we're out of here we're absolutely gone. He goes, really? And tried everything he could. No, if they come on board and you want a white square, we're out of here. So Eddie puts down the phone, picks up the phone to DHL and says, B&H, love it. Let's sign this deal in a couple of weeks. Let's go for it. Puts down the phone and obviously starts thinking, what the hell am I going to do? What the hell am I going to do? So fast forward 
two weeks. They're in London, walking into a, one of those big sky rises in London. They go up the lift. He's got his team with him. He walks into a, the boardroom now of DHL. The whole board is there. Imagine, make that picture in your mind of that long brown table with the, with the black chairs around, all the white faces kind of looking back at them. And, you know, and Eddie, uh, with his tenacity, uh, stands there and goes, well, listen, guys, this is, this is the start of an incredible relationship. We're going to add so much value to your brand. It's going to be incredible. Uh, this partnership is going to just, you know, change the face of your company. They said, now, just before we sign this deal, there is one little issue that we just need to iron out. It's just a small niggle. And they all look at him. Well, what's that? And, um, and Eddie said, well, just before we do that, uh, I'll just let my PAs just hand these out. And what he did was he handed out a little portfolio in front of them, just a little band thing. And he said, I just want to say, guys, look, your logo. Your logo is rubbish. Let's be honest. Look at it. I mean, look, look, maroon on a white background. I mean, it's just got no young. It's not dynamic. It's not, you know, it's, I mean, there's nothing you are about delivering on time, all of these things. He said, that just doesn't communicate that. And look at your competitors. I mean, the colors are brown, for heaven's sake. What else is brown that reminds you of brown? You know? And so he went to all this, but he said, look, he said, I just stopped by my graphic designers on the way here. And we came up with an idea that, uh, that you may like, which we think will transform your whole company. <laughs> and they opened up this portfolio. And there was a red-lettered DHL logo on a yellow background. And they bought it. <laughs> and they rebranded the whole of DHL based on that conversation. What are we to learn from this? Here's the lesson. And hear me now. There's always a way. Mm. That is one of Eddie's core beliefs that I learned from him. There is always a way. Even if you can't see it right now, don't let that stop you doing a deal. Don't let that. Uh, stop you from moving forward you know make it happen and look at all the different ways around around the wall you know either you can try and bust through it but that takes a lot of energy can you jump over the top can you go around the edges can you tunnel underneath it is there a door that you can go and find somebody that's got the key to open the door the point is there's always a way and i think that that is one of the biggest lessons that i've ever learned from him that absolutely has served me at the highest level, um, and not just me, and it's a lesson that I teach all over, all over the world, all over Europe, and people love it because it's true, is that there is always a way. It's just the question is, are you willing to find it? Are you willing to put that extra 1% in? Are you willing to really find that door to and find the key and open the door and step into the ultimate success that I believe that you deserve, everybody on the planet deserves. It's just a case of getting that 1%, finding a way, and really going for it, and remembering to sail through whatever weather comes your Excellent. Way. Well, we have to end it there. That's been no problem. absolutely fantastic, uh, Paul. Um, loads of great points there. You know, loads of great, I love that uh, finding a way. I think it's a lovely way to... Uh, end the uh, conversation today but I certainly took notes around you know teamworks um, 
makes the dream work and uh, and about hiring, keep attacking, uh, like pig-headed determination, sharpening your teeth and, and finding a way. So it's been a pleasure. I hope you've enjoyed being on today. Absolutely loved it. And uh, I really hope that, uh, that your listeners uh, have got value and have really enjoyed it and, uh, and go out there and make a difference. Excellent. Well, if you go to um, want to find out more about Paul Adamson, go to uh, www.pauladamson.org and you'll find out more information about what Paul's up to. And on next week's show, we have Sean Smith. Now, Sean's been on the show before. He's a, he's a really experienced thought leader on customer services strategy. He's co-author of five best-selling books, including On Purpose, uh, delivering a branded customer experience that people love. And we're going to talk about that next week with some uh, amazing examples from uh, global organizations that have really understand uh, branded customer experience. So do join us again next week. Once again, huge thank you to Paul Adamson. And do send me any uh, communication about what you think of the show, any ideas uh, moving forward to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Have a wonderful week. We thank you for listening to the Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.